When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Elon Musk podcast. This is a show where we discuss the critical crossroads that shape SpaceX, Tesla, X, The Boring Company, and Neuralink. And I'm your host, Will Walden. Today's episode was recorded live on our YouTube channel at Space News Pod. So go check us out every Tuesday and Thursday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time if you want more Starship content like this. It's about an hour long. It's a free flow conversation, no scripts. I just go for it, talk about Starship in an unfiltered way. So please enjoy. Today we're going to be talking about Starship because there's a lot of stuff happening at Starbase. The booster has been moved back. Booster 10 has been moved back to the production facility where it'll undergo maintenance. It'll undergo a test, like a bunch of tests. So it'll be ready for flight. In the next, so we'll talk about that a little bit because it might be a little bit sound coming through. Star Traveler 29, thank you so much for that. Also, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Hope you're doing great and you had a great holiday. And we're going to be doing more of these live streams this year. So that's my commitment to you. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're going to be doing a live stream at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So please stay tuned and tune in every Tuesday and Thursday. I haven't done live streams in a long time, but I really love them so much. So I'm going to continue doing them just so we can continue with Starship updates with each other and hang out. With that being said, uh, let's get into it. Booster 10 moved back to the production facility. We'll undergo any sort of refurbishment. They're going to check out all the piping, all the tubes, all the engines, things that happened during the static fire test. And what when they did some uh, cryofueling and uh, cryofilling and fuel filling and stuff like that. So Booster 10 back to the production facility. The ship, we're not sure if it's going to be moving back. Hey, what's up, Debs? How you doing? The great thing is the ship has been static fired. Everything looks great with the ship. And not 100% sure what they're going to be doing with this thing. Because there's a few options here that SpaceX could do. And we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Debs, thanks for the super chat. Thank you. I don't know if I have my alerts on. Ooh, I hope I do. Because if so, oh, Debs, I don't think I got my alerts. I'm in trouble. New year. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's see if I can get it. I'm sorry. See if I can get it in here. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I think I messed it up. The ship. <clears throat> the ship. Nice. Nice voice there. The ship is moving, possibly moving back to production facility, but we're not 100% sure about that because the ship has been static fired successfully numerous times and it looks like spacex is just moving on with the booster at this point they're going to check out all the plumbing make sure everything was great and that's like i said back in the production facility and the ship they might just leave it where it is and do some preliminary testing with it there because there could have been some tile damage there could have been something kind of shaken loose so they have thousands of sensors in the ship and the booster and both of those were, they collected data from both of those. 
during these tests and they know what could be wrong and what's absolutely right now. So SpaceX is going to do what they got to do to get this flight ready for IFT3. There we go, Debs. What about that? <laughs> so if you super chat, super sticker, become a member, anything like that, you get a Starship launch with your name on it. So thank you so much for that, Debs. I appreciate that. You're going to get two Starship launches, two and a half. Let's do two and a half. So we're going to stage separation and maybe not a booster landing because you did the two and a half or it was one and a half. So you get two and a half, whatever. But we're just going to have a fun time today. This stream is chill. We're we're talking like just hang out. We're just hanging out talking about Starship. So right now it looks like booster's good, ship's good, and they're going to be doing the preliminary test, like I said. So what do they do? They check out the plumbing. They check out everything inside, make sure everything is structurally sound before they do the flight IFT3 flight. And there are some things after what the booster did today when it moved back to the production facility that they have to do with the whole system. The system is huge. Ground systems, booster, ship, etc. They have to do everything. And they're going to be doing that within the next possible month-ish just to do the checkouts of those things. So what we're going to do now is take a look at, there's a, there was a booster uh, firing on August 28th. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to go back in time a little bit. So August 28th, 2023, right? We have August 28th, 2023 booster static fire, August. And then we go September, October, November till the liftoff of Starship right here. So this is just from, from SpaceX in November. It's like November, like mid November. So August, end of August, to middle of November, so four-ish months between the booster static fire and the actual ship launch, the full launch of IFT-2. So we know that they were working with the FAA closely, the incident report between IFT-1 and IFT-2. So IFT-1, we know it didn't go very well at all. Like They collected a lot of data. Sure, they did. But they didn't really get as far as what a lot of people expected. Myself, I was expecting them to make it past the pad stage separation. I was hoping that they would get past stage separation and I was hoping they would do a soft landing of the booster in the Gulf of Mexico, but that didn't happen. Everything blew up, right? The liftoff is wonderful. It's a great shot from SpaceX, but when it came to stage separation, everything went kablooey. At that point, there was another at IFT2, like once it all went boom, Another incident report was drawn up and from SpaceX, SpaceX does that. They do the incident report. They send it over to the FAA, basically sends a memo back saying, okay, if you do these things and they are acceptable and you show that you've done these things, we will tell you that it's okay to fly the Starship, IFT3 ship. But if there's any sort of modifications to the flight, which we'll get into as well, if there's any sort of modification, SpaceX has to tell the FAA that these modifications are happening, and then the FAA will approve them for those modifications as well. And there's one thing that's pretty interesting about the next, this next flight, and we can talk about that in a minute, but it's a really interesting part of this flight, and it's part of NASA's Artemis program too, and that is the propellant transfer that may be happening in the Starship during this flight. And we've been notified a couple of times from 
people within the industry and within SpaceX that it's more than likely happening unless something drastic happens between the IFT-2 and IFT-3 flights that more than likely SpaceX will be shifting their focus towards Artemis and not just what they need to do, which is launch these things, get it to work, basically. So everything they need to do for Artemis, they're going to start doing. And the IFT-3 mission, if it's a propellant transfer, which is part of the Artemis program, because they have to set a ship to the to Earth's orbit. And when they send the ship to the Earth's orbit, it has to refuel, has to dock and refuel. So part of that is part of the Artemis program, right? So once they, they dock with a booster, a tanker, I should say, then they do a propellant transfer load, and then they send them off to the moon. They do the propellant transfer load numerous times. We're like in between what Elon said, which is four or five, and then what a NASA employee said, NASA representative said, which is like 17. So anywhere between five and 17, we're rolling right there. Propellant transfer, Elon knows more of the systems than anybody at NASA. So I'm assuming that he would know how many transfer the propellant transfers will happen. But thing is, Elon isn't always the best at knowing exactly what's going to happen. This is in best case scenario four. And this could be once they master the technology, it could get down to four eventually. Years down the line, it could get down to four propellant transfers. But right now, they don't know about boil off, how much boil off there's going to happen in space due to radiation and due to the sun's energy. And all sorts of other things, because you can't control, you know, how much propellant is going to leak, basically. So, yeah. So at this point, Elon says four, four or five or whatever. And then the NASA engineers and people, the representatives at NASA say, eh, it's probably more like 20, 17 to 20. So probably the first couple times, I'm assuming 17 to 20, maybe, maybe 10-ish, but they're going to do a propellant transfer within the Starship for IFT-3. So propellant transfer within tanks within Starship. Don't know exactly how that looks. We'll have to get more information from SpaceX about what they're actually doing and how this actually works. But there's a bunch of speculation out there, and I don't want to speculate more because nobody really knows what's going to happen until SpaceX. Basically, probably going to be like a few days before the launch, they're going to be like, hey, we're going to do this cool thing. And then when they do this, when they talk about it, that's when everybody will know about the speculation and who was right and who was wrong or whatever. So we don't know, basically, is what I'm saying. It's like nobody really knows until SpaceX says something. We can guess, but eh, it's fun to guess and it's fun to speculate, but you never know. You never know what they're going to do. Yeah. Marina, what's up? Roberto, what's up too? There's no clearance from the FAA, Rick? Yep. Yeah. And there's no launch. Yeah, there's no FAA clearance yet. You're right. Cool t-shirt. Thanks, Debs. Yeah, this is our starshipshirts.com 33 Raptor engine booster shirt. Check it out, starshipshirts.com. We'll go over that a little bit later as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later too. So it's been, as I was saying, August 28th. So about four months between the last static fire and of IFT2 and the actual launch of IFT2. So four months, four months. And of course, some of that was they had to figure out what's going on with the FAA and there was an environmental study and everything. That was a long time to do to get through all that stuff. It could have taken maybe a month if all that stuff wasn't part of it. So there are environmental groups right now trying to challenge SpaceX and 
and the FAA about the environmental impacts of Starbase, which is a really weird thing because you got to think about like where they're coming from too. Like the environmental groups are, they're right in waves. Okay. And I want to be play devil's advocate for both sides because, hey, NC Davis, thanks, man. New Year's, new donkeys. Yeah, baby. There we go. We got our donkeys. What if I switch to Starbucks? Would you guys freak out? Because it's been years. It's been years of Dunkin' only. So there is two sides of this story, right? And we're going to talk about this a little bit, but I don't want to make this all about the environmental impact because I want to talk about the Starship. So there are environmental groups right now that are suing the FAA and suing SpaceX about the environmental damage that is occurring at Starbase. And they think there's environmental damage, but the, the FAA and the, the Fish and Wildlife Department said it's not really doing any damage. So the environmental groups are going to continue to sue repeatedly just to stop SpaceX from doing this. They don't like big industry coming into this endangered species habitat, which I totally understand. If you're, if you are somebody that loves nature, I love nature. I think it's great. I take walks in nature all the time. And the part of it that I don't understand is that if there are government bodies in place to help us out, to show that SpaceX isn't doing anything really bad to the environment down there, then there's a possibility also that, that they're right, that SpaceX and the environmental agencies are right. So I don't think the environmentalists have really anything to stand on. At this point, I think what they're going to be doing, it's just like fighting an endless battle, trying to, I don't know, they're just fighting this battle with SpaceX that I don't know if they can do anything about it. I don't know if they could get the, get them to stop doing what they're doing because they can't, there's no way they're going to stop them at this point. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be a battle for them, but also who knows, who knows what's going to happen in the future. So they might come up with a really sound strategy to be like, Hey, by the way, this other thing's happening. And it's crazy. Like SpaceX is doing these wild things down there at Starbase, but there's also a part of it that I think SpaceX is just going to win. So it's cool. There's part of me that's just like, dude, just launch this rocket. Just get it over with. Those people, I don't know. And there's also, there's also, there's environmentalists, but there's also people that are native to that land that want to use that land on times that SpaceX closes it down. And they have all the right to the beach because it's a protected place where their ancestors had, they had ceremonies there and they also have ceremonies there. So of course it's going to be a really important and special thing to them. And I understand that. I totally understand that. But also I want to go to Mars and I know everybody else is probably watching this wants us to go to Mars. <laughs> so there's part of me that's just, oh man, if they could just figure out a way to, when things happen there, could they just go, could they just tell SpaceX in advance, be like, Hey, on Thursday, this thing's going to happen. SpaceX can be like, yeah, we're going to wait till Friday to do our testing then. Makes sense. It makes sense. So they're suing the pants off the FAA and SpaceX for this stuff. But I think SpaceX is going to overall going to win out on this one. So back to the four months thing. Four months. It took about four months to get from IFT2 testing to IFT2 flight. And I want you to take a look at this too there's on the spacex twitter feed or sorry x feed december 20th full duration static fire with all six raptors for the ship 
So ship 26, full duration, six Raptor engines, and then slow motion view of six engine static fire on the 20th. Pretty cool. That's a couple days ago. It's a week ago. So if we go by everything that SpaceX is doing now, oh, they also had a, a single static fire a couple days ago too. So this is another drone view on the 20th of the static fire. And then we have a couple of screenshots of it. And then December 29th, we had the super heavy 33 Raptor engines ahead of flight three. So when they did the 33 Raptor engine test for IFT2, they said that not all 33 engines fired. It was 31 engines fired during that test. If that's any indication, the SpaceX may be spending some more time testing in, during IFT2 compared to IFT3, and they're testing those two engines or doing a swap out or whatever, then IFT3 looks like it's like they're figuring everything out at breakneck speeds, like ridiculous amount of speed that they do compared to any other spaceflight company ever. If you watch the McGregor streets, yeah, from like NASA spaceflight, it's insane how many engines they test every day. I think they do like 20 engine tests a day. And every day something new happens and something like something wild is happening. And all of those engines are going to go onto a starship. So that's it's unheard of that they do that many Raptor engine tests. So if something's happened to any of these engines, they're going to know about it in the next couple days, maybe. They'll probably know about it by the end of today, to be honest with you. And then all they have to do is ship in a new engine if they or if they don't already have one on in stock, I guess would be the best way to put it at the production facility. If they if they get to a point where they can just look at all the systems, look at all the plumbing. And there's another cool thing that may happen to the ship, which we're going to talk about other than the liquid transfer or the propellant transfer. But there's another cool thing that we may see, but I don't think it's going to happen. But let it out there and it really is a thing that I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't think it's going to happen, but it'd be really cool if it did. But if they fired all 33 Raptor engines on the booster and everything was fine, they just have to like make sure everything's tight, check out all the systems real quick, do a quick like scrub, and then move it back to the launch site. Stack it up. Let's go. But the ship, on the other hand, this thing, this thing right here. This is a interesting thing. Let's see if we can find a shot of it. I don't know if they have a shot of it. Yeah, August 28th. No, this is August 25th. Yeah, that's back there. I was trying to find a good shot of it from their X account, but there's a spot on the ship that they may load Starlink satellites in there. But I don't think they're going to. Let me know in the comments or the chat if you think they're going to do a Starlink um, load into this. And if they do a Starlink load, will they do a Starlink load and try to propel them out into space if they get up there just to kind of woo us all? Or will they just leave them in there as a, as a test to see if they can actually carry Starlinks and it's not going to mess up the telemetry and a trajectory of the rocket and if they can because that's, that's how they're going to make their money they're going to shoot hundreds of these Starlink satellites off at once within the starship so with their pez dispenser program and if they can do that they can if they could figure that out early ift5 if even if it's ift5 
they could continue working through the NASA stuff alongside the Starlink stuff. So if everything's nominal and they're in space and they get past stage separation and everything's good, nothing blew up and the booster is back in the Gulf of Mexico and they do have a Starlink or two like stationed positioned in the ship, could they just hit the button and launch it out into space and just see what happens? See if it works? We would have to, so what we would get is we would have some information about that, probably. SpaceX launching an FCC-approved Starlink satellite from an FCC-approved Starship. So I haven't seen any documentation. I've been checking the FCC, all, everything. I haven't seen anything that really shows that they're positively going to test this out. So at this point, it's all speculation. We don't know if it's actually going to happen. Could they load it in and not launch it out? Sure. Like a dummy? Yeah. Like a weight, like a Starlink that's, that just doesn't transmit? Yeah, sure. They could do that. And then they could, if the ship actually makes it to Hawaii, then they don't have to recover it. It's going to sink anyway. So they wouldn't really lose anything other than a test Starlink, like just a dummy Starlink or few, two or three or whatever. But also, why risk the NASA mission with a Starlink mission also. So if they get the propellant transfer done, do one thing at a time, get that taken care of. NASA is paying them billions of dollars to build Starship. So why would they risk that with a Starlink launch? It doesn't make a lot of sense. SpaceX is risky in ways, but also they also know that they have a big business to run. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be a it's going to be a wild kind of ride this time, because unless we know what's happening beforehand, if there's any FCC thing, any documentation dropped before the launch, we're going to know. But up until then, it's just people hoping and wishing for this to happen because there's no there's no documentation as far as I know. Sentinel says, yeah, or just simulate the deploy sequence without satellites just to get some data on their mechanism. Yeah, that would be great. So simulate that. So the other thing about that, I thought about that a little bit. The simulation would be, could they go through the software without hardware attached? Make sure that the software works, which would be a huge step forward. Also, could they do a fake ejection? Could they open up the door just to see if the door works in space? Yeah, that would be perfect. But and then have the mechanism move as well to kind of shoot them out into space. That would be great too. But would they risk that much of the mission in case it doesn't go right. If it gets stuck, if it gets stuck out, like the mechanism gets stuck and then they can't do the transfer, the propellant transfer, maybe it'll be a two part mission. Maybe the propellant transfer will happen first. And they're like, oh, we finished this mission. So our secondary mission, we're going to have whatever the booster landing is part of the mission. That's part one. I guess stage separation, hot firing, and then we could have then we could have booster landing, ship gets to space, starts its orbital, orbital fuel transfer, gets that done, and then maybe they can do the Starlink thing. That might be an option. But I don't know. I think I think having extra things in the ship while it's flying in space might be a little bit too much. So and I'm just like playing devil's advocate here. I don't know. So these are just things that I and like and then I can't sleep because I think of them. I'll go to I'll go to I'll lay down to bed. I'm like, ooh, Starlink's flying out of a starship. And I'm like, when is that gonna happen? I think it's too early though. I think it's too early. I think they're gonna wait a couple more flights for this because they do have to get everything right. 
within these next like six flights. But if they can start making money with Starship, that's what really matters, right? If they can start making way more money with way more Starlinks almost immediately, that would be fantastic. I mean, even if they do a 10 Starlink transfer, that would be wild. Let's see. I can easily see them loading dummy satellites and then test the PES mechanism and door system. Why not? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Average Joe, I agree with you. Like, I see that like such a value that could bring to this flight and a value that it can bring to the next flight. Because if they can do that, like a dummy setup, this flight with no FCC or anything involved and just let them burn up on their way back in, that would be wonderful. And then the next flight, they can actually get real Starlinks. They could talk to the FCC. They can get clearance, and then they could get these things out there. They could start launching hundreds of satellites while they're doing all the other testing or what. As long as they do it, as long as they do it safely, and SpaceX is, of course, very dramatic <laughs> with their testing. They're like not to be dramatic, but like SpaceX is like totally dramatic with their testing. They're just, they're way ahead of the curve for everybody else. So, of course, they're probably going to try something a little bit this time. And maybe they might not tell anybody beforehand. Maybe they'll be like, hey, we had some Starlinks in there and we were just testing them. But more than likely, the communications team over at SpaceX are going to be like, hey, we're doing these cool things. Be part of it, which is really great. So I think that's one of the things that, that SpaceX does really great is they involve us all, which is really cool. So this December 29th static fire right here, this one, oh, that's really loud. If this went off without a hitch, if that was perfect, then it seems, and I'm speculating here, that they would have to do some very minimal refurbishment if they need to. And they would have to basically check all the systems and then move the ship, move the booster back to the launch pad. And we have a whole thing here. So... That being said, the Highway 4 road closures for January 3rd and January 4th, this is probably going, these ones are probably going to be, I got to scroll down here a little bit so you can see it, but these are probably going to be canceled. So the 3rd and the 4th are probably not going to move anything because they're alternate dates. And the temporary road closure for Highway 4 January 2nd, that's what happened today. Yeah, so I don't think these next road closures are going to actually be anything. They might move the ship. I'm not 100% sure. The ship might just sit there too. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to see if that's a thing. So we're going to check that out and if they start moving the ship around a little bit. Michael Maxi, thank you so much for letting me know about that because sometimes my audio sounds good on my end and then YouTube picks it up and it's, "Hey, what's going on?" So we have a few things. I have a checklist. I made this checklist and I built it in code. So IFT3 flight, they're going to be doing a ground systems and launch pad inspection. So everything that like leads into the, like pushes fuel into and cools down the ship and the booster, they're going to have to do that for the next flight. They're going to inspect the booster like we talked about. Inspect the ship like we talked about. Ship 28, Starlink load, maybe transport the ship back. Yes. Stack for fit check, possible removal if it doesn't fit right. And some of the systems don't work. We've seen it happen before. And they are getting better at what they do. So stack for the fit check. And if it works, cool, put it back together. Then they're going to do a wet dress rehearsal. After that, they'll load it all up with all the propellant, all the cryogenics, get it ready for flight. 
everything right until right before the second that it launches and then don't hit the launch button and then they're ready to go almost if they arm the flight termination system they have to do a launch ready review ift2 investigation approval of course because that has to be that has to happen due to the faa final and then they have to have the final faa flight approval and then they have to go for launch at that point and that's when we all go crazy <laughs> that's when we all that's when we all get super pumped when they go for launch that's when i get pumped up i start doing laps i start going crazy and uh, yeah that so once they go for launch it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fever pitch again so it's going to start ramping up really fast at starbase in the next week or two things are going to go from 0 to a million miles an hour as fast as humanly possible. You can have everybody down there that needs to work on this thing and they're going to get it ready as soon as they can. Because as far as I know, I don't know if they've rehashed this with Texas or the FAA, but they only have five flights from Starbase every year. And of course they can work with the FAA to get them, to get that fixed to get it, to bump it up. But right now they only have five. So if they can, they also have to, make sure that the FAA is like cool with these flights too, because if there's anything that happens during these investigations that the FAA would deem like extremely irresponsible, they would keep it down at five flights per year and maybe lower it. But if everything goes well, that's why these initial flights are so important because if they get these right, that's what I was talking about earlier. Don't risk it, man. Don't risk it. These initial like five or six flights of Starship are so important that they can go back to the FAA and say, hey, I've been good. Can I get some more flights, please? Can we just get some more flights? And the FAA will be like, yeah, you did really great. These first six flights. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Let's give you 20 or let's give you 10 or whatever. And of course, SpaceX needs a hundred flights before they put people in this thing. Artemis is coming up. NASA is not very happy with the progress that SpaceX is making. Like they're happy with it, but they're not a hundred percent happy with it. There's their, I forgot who it was their director of human spaceflight, maybe at space at NASA or art. I can't remember who it was, but they went on the record and said, Hey, yeah, we we're pulling for them, but they're pretty. We thought it was going to be farther along because Elon said that too. In his early talks, he was like, we'll be on Mars by 2024. Easy, easy. And we're going to have people flying around the earth like by 2020 or what? Elon, of course, it's Elon. And he talks about, he talks a big game sometimes. And I love the guy for what he's done, but he does have a very optimistic, I'm going to be very nice to him, but he has a very optimistic outlook on the future. And his outlook is always before the things actually happen. I would love to have had a ride in a starship by now when they announced it back in the day, the BFG or whatever it was. What was it called? The BFR, yeah, the BFR. It just looked like this massive, weird rocket that looked like like a like a colony ship almost from Battlestar Galactica. So the uh, yeah, the starship is it's coming along, but 2025, 2026, maybe Artemis, probably 2027, according to NASA. The Axiom spacesuits need to be built still. Yeah, there's just it's just a lot. Like whenever a company says we can do something by X amount of time. They're never right. I don't think anyone's ever delivered on time in the space flight industry. To be honest with you, they're always like, hey, yeah, we can fly by 2010. And then by 2020, they're like, yeah, we need another five years. 
SpaceX, of course, is not old space. We know this. So you give them a little bit of give them a little bit of something because they work in hard and they work fast. They work really fast. Iterative design. Like I did it my whole life. I'm a web developer. I know this stuff. Front-end developer. You work really fast, things don't go well, and then you fix them. That's how it works. And that's what SpaceX does compared to old space, which is somebody like Blue Origin who builds the whole rocket. And then they're like, we're done. <laughs> and then we're just going to fly all these rockets all the time. SpaceX is like, hey, we're done with our first one. It's going to blow up. Second one's going to blow up. Third one, probably going to blow up. Fourth one, maybe it's going to blow up. I don't know. But whatever it blows up, we're going to fix it for the next one. So it's a really, it's a really public way to launch a rocket like somebody like blue origin shrouded in mystery they, they don't mean to be it's just that they're working like they're in a giant warehouse working on this rocket they don't have time to do tours they don't have a media team like why would they have a big media team doing like watching somebody like crank a wrench even though that's cool i totally get it i know why spacex does it but SpaceX does do the media stuff really well, but also there's YouTube channels out there that are very interested in SpaceX because it's really accessible. They didn't build Starship in a factory mainly because they didn't have a factory to build a Starship in. They're just like, we're just going to build this giant stainless steel thing and see what, ha see what happens. And it worked out pretty well. Like their engineers are amazing because it worked out well. So... Yeah, I think there's two different ways to do it. And I think that the way that SpaceX is doing it, of course, is my favorite way because I get to watch it and it's really crazy. But there's other companies out there that are doing it differently. So I don't know. Average Joe, thank you so much for the super. I really appreciate that, man. A ship needs some tile repair and lifting point removal. wonder if they will do that on pad or at production site. No, I, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that the tile repair, of course, it's going to happen. I don't know exactly where they're going to do it, but it doesn't seem like they're going to move it. Because I don't know if they need to move it for that because they have cranes and they have people lifters. I don't think they need to move it all the way back to the production site. And if they do, it'll be probably next week once they get the booster done with the refurbishments and stuff. Yeah. Great podcast. Thanks, Average Joe. I appreciate that. At the same time, though, the problem is that they only granted the contract in 2021. It was way too late for a 2024 or 2025 launch on A3. Yeah, I, I agree. I doubt anyone else would be further along. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Totally. You got to wonder, will Starship Flight 3B before Valentine's Day? Andrew, funny thing, this channel's anniversary is on Valentine's Day. It was a podcast. So this, there's a whole history behind this. And I've talked about it before. This channel's four years old or something like that. The show's four years old. So I started a podcast with just a phone and some headphones in four years ago in 2019. February 14th, 2019, I went to an observatory in the mountains of Pennsylvania and got inspired. I was a, I'm an amateur astronomer. I've been doing this for a really long time. I had this giant telescope that I had trucked down to this observatory and I spent the night there. And when I was there, I was like, the waters of the universe need to be shared. <laughs> so I started a podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. And so I started it like an audio podcast. I started talking about it and this, it's the anniversary. Valentine's Day is the anniversary, February 14th, every year. So hopefully everyone's here for that. And if you're not here for that, if you're not subscribed, please hit the sub button. And also the like button really helps too, because that gets the signal out to everybody else. But if you want to come back for Valentine's Day, 
hit that subscribe button so we can hang out together again. We can have these sort of discussions. <laughs> Every show says, I remember the first iterations looked like dented cans of baked beans. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. It was real bad. Hoppy was really cool. Hoppy was the, when I saw Hoppy fly for the first time, um, I was stunned. Like, I didn't know what to think. I think I have a live stream of it somewhere. I think I do, like way back in the archives. So yeah, check that out too. I have an audio podcast of this too. So check out SpaceX News Pod for the audio podcast. This will go up on there too if you want to listen to it later. So now Starbase is called Gateway to Mars. I think it's going to still be Starbase. It'll It's like the name of it will be Starbase, the Gateway to Mars, I think. Something like that. I think that would be cool. But I think it'll always be Starbase, though. But I do the new gateway is the Mars sign at Starbase. That's pretty sick. Valentine's Day will be the IFT3 post-launch review. Ooh, that'll be cool. When you saw Hoppy, you cried. I did, Devs. I'm like all up in my feelings with these things all the time. It's a thing that, like, this has always been a passionate endeavor for me. And not just the channel, but spaceflight in general and human exploration and just the wonder of like how we do things that we do, like how people do the things that we do. So I'm just blown away by so much stuff. I don't even know what this tab is. Oh, that's our shirts. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Oh yeah, that's my shirt. Somebody mentioned NC Davis. I think you mentioned it earlier that you had it on. Somebody had the shirt on. So I was like, if you want to go check it out, uh, starshipshirts.com, you can get the same Raptor shirt 20% off right now. We're doing like a end of the year, early 2024 blowout, 20% off sale. So many colors, black, we got Kelly green, we got red, whatever you want, pink. We got, if you want a pink and we ship everywhere, any color you want, any size you want up to four X. I don't think we do five X anymore. Yeah. Not available. So do any color up to five, up to four X and they get a little bit more expensive, the bigger you make the shirt, but that's just a thing that we do. Then we have a Mars Deimos and Phobos men's space t-shirt. And that's really cool one too. I got to get myself one of these because those that's just a cool shirt too. Just looks neat. So yeah, check it out. Check it out. We have a bunch of stuff. So yeah, just check it out if you can. If you have, if you want buy something for a loved one or like for yourself, if you want to just show support for the show too, it's just, it helps us out tremendously. Like all the super chats, all the super stickers and like memberships to the channel. Dude, I don't even know how much, how much that helps, but it helps so much. Like I, I should say, I can't even express how much it helps for your, with your support, like that we can do this because of you. And our hottest selling shirt is the shirt that I'm wearing actually, which is, this is a women's shirt too. We have women's gear. So we have the women's version. We have the men's version. We have hats, the stage zero hat, which is all black, it's black on black, which is pretty sweet. And then we're also live on Twitch. So if you want to watch on Twitch, go over to twitch.com slash space news. But we don't have any, like, I, this is my first real stream on Twitch. Just chilling over there. But we have a lot of stuff. Yeah, this is, the, this is another cool one that Neil, Neil made these designs. Raptor, clever girl. You get it? Jurassic Park. And also Raptor engines. Pretty freaking sweet, dude. That's a great shirt. What a smart dude. Neil is an awesome guy. I love Neil to death. And he makes some really crazy design, like cool designs. So this is also a really fun one, which I might grab one of those too. So 
Anyway, I don't want to make this all about like selling t-shirts because that's weird. <laughs> because we're here to talk about starships. We're here to talk about starships. But El Hangaro, thank you so much for the super chat. So also every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to start doing these streams again because I just love to do them. And I think it's fun to be with you guys. I just think it's cool, man. We can have a good conversation about this stuff and we can talk about things. And we also have a poll in our chat right now. When will Starship IFT3 launch? 49% say January and then 41 say February. Then there's some for March, seven for March and 3% for April. So I don't think it's going to launch in January. I think they're going to, I think they have too much work to do and they're, they are getting faster. You know, like they're getting faster at what they do. So I think this will be the first time that they get everything done in about a month before a relaunch. But I think after this, like they're not going to do any work on the plumbing or any sort of ground systems other than things that absolutely need to be fixed. But I don't think they're going to upgrade anything or go tear down the old, the old tankers or anything like that. Not yet. They're going to continue to work on that stuff as they do everything in concert. So while they're fixing the booster, they could be fixing the ship. And while they're fixing the ship, they could also be, they're working with the FAA. So all these things are working at the same time. So if they do get a launch by the middle of January, like I put a placeholder live stream for the middle of January, because there's a, there is a possibility that they get done in a few weeks. Of course, that's like subject to change as they say. So the, any flight time is like anything can happen. I was talking to one of my friends. If you're going to go to the Starship launch, when they do announce it, just please take a second because it's going to be it's going to be possible delays. It might delay it a day or two. So book your hotel and flights accordingly because if they announce it for if they announce it for January 15th, just in particular, they say, okay, 15th, we're gonna fly this thing, get down there on the 14th, get set up, get ready for the flight. But also book your room for more days. Make a vacation out of it. If they say they're going to fly on the 15th, expect them to possibly fly on the 17th or 18th. If you're going to fly down or go down to Boca Chica and watch this, it's going to be, there's a possibility it might take a couple extra days. So just save up a little bit extra money. You get the room for a couple extra days. I don't know. January seems it's optimistic. And I like to be optimistic about these things because I want it to launch so bad. <laughs> I want it to just go, man. It's so fun. Yeah, it's so fun when these things launch. So I'm just, I'm ready for it to launch. So I'm going to wind down the stream here for in a minute, but I want to say, I want to see if you guys have any ideas. Like, when do you think it's going to launch for real? Do you think it's going to launch like middle of January? I think it's going to launch in February because our poll says most people say like half say January, 41% say February. 7% say March, 4% say April. Do you think the FAA is just going to hold them up again? Because that's a real possibility. If SpaceX sent them some information, which nobody knows what happened, all the data that happened that SpaceX sent the FAA, nobody knows what that is. And SpaceX may be like, we did something pretty bad, but we can fix it. So the FAA might be the choke point here. Middle of February, and Star Traveler 29 says end of January. Newbro says that. Phil says yes. Average Joe, early to mid-February. Of course, I'm guessing. Yeah, we're all guessing at this point. We're all guessing. But according to 
the data that we had from from this static fire, August 29th, going all the way up to the full flight in November. So Starship stacked September 30th. Team continues to work with the FAA on a launch license September 30th. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a wild like next couple weeks, but I think it's gonna go so fast. I think it's gonna go so fast. People are gonna go into hyper mode at Starbase in the next three to four days. I think this next week is gonna show how fast if the booster moves back. There's no road closures. So there's no road closures that we know of because SpaceX doesn't really have, they didn't really do all the physical checks for the booster yet. They have to get it in the bay, which they've done today, but we don't have any more uh, road closures until that was it. Like the January 2nd one was the last road closure. They have the January 3rd and 4th, of course, for the maybe temporary road closure. But right now it doesn't seem like they have an idea of when they'll either move the ship back or move the booster back to the thing or to the pad. Yeah, I think I just think the next week is going to be super crucial for timelines. And then we're going to get to the first week by the 9th. So next Tuesday, if they move the booster back to the launch pad by next Tuesday, we might be able to get a launch by like the 15th or 16th. Because if the booster goes back and they did the Starship, the ship, in concert with the booster being fixed or refurbished or checked out or whatever, then they could stack it and get it ready, do a propellant test, do a full stack test, and then our wet dress rehearsal. And then within a few days, flight termination system, FAA comes through. It's ramping up really fast. So if the booster goes back, we know it's going to be real soon. So... That being said, I don't know, man. We have some we have some time to think about this. But Thursday, if there's any more information, stay tuned. Make sure to subscribe to the channel, of course. We have a couple of new subs today, so thank you for that, everybody. And also, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash space news pod. You can join for as little as a dollar per month. And you can join the Space Cadets, Cosmo Crew, Galaxy Gang, or become a member on YouTube with this very cool old video from my old studio where I used to get attacked by hornets and bats. <laughs> Debs knows what's up for two bucks a month to join the flight crew. And then you can, if you want to help out more four ninety nine for the cosmos crew and galaxy gang for 10 bucks a month, but you get cool little badges and some custom emojis and stuff. And I'm doing some more emojis in the next few days so I can upgrade that stuff for you too. We also have space news pod, which is spacenewspod.com, which is our website. You can get all the updated information about basically stuff on this channel, but will SpaceX go public in 2024? If you don't want to read that, the answer is probably not. So there you go. I did a little spoiler, but you can go hang out there and check that out. We don't have any ads on the site yet. So I'm just doing that as a free fund thing for people to check out with, for more information as a liner notes for everybody out there. I'm not showing them on the screen though. So there you go. Space news pod. And there's, we go. we got the members for YouTube and which is look at that. Look at that hair, man. Look at that hair. That's I'm like, what's going on with that? <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> yeah. A couple of years ago, man, I was being attacked by hornets in that room. It was insane. It was insane for, this is like a four-year-old video or something. I got monetized like right away. And then they were like, Hey, make a membership video. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. 
And then, of course, our Patreon. Yeah. Cosmos crew, Galaxy Gang, Space Kid. It just helps us continue. helps me continue doing this to continue to do this and the merch, of course. So, yeah, thanks. I really do appreciate everybody out there and all the super chats and super stickers, too. We have a bunch of members. So all the members, thank you and everybody else who's just here chatting today and seven hanging out. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Really, I really do appreciate it. Phil says, I hope they're going to look at everything because if this launch is not going to be successful, the fourth launch is going to be further when they wanted or further away than wanted. Yeah, I think so. I think IFT3, if it goes real bad, really bad, then yeah, it could be another four months. So who knows? It could be a bad situation at some point where SpaceX and NASA or SpaceX and the FAA are butting heads and figuring all this stuff out because it's going to take a little while for them to figure out all this stuff. So that's another one of my favorite shirts. I got to buy one of these. Enjoy space. It's like a almost like almost (laughs) Coca-Cola. Yeah. If it goes really bad, if it doesn't make it off the pad, average Joe says what constitutes really bad. Yeah. If it doesn't make it off the pad, that's really bad. So if something like that happens, yeah. Deb says too hot in the apartment and blinded by the sun. Yeah. The, so <laughs> there, there is a stream of this somewhere like way back in the day when I started the channel. And this is just like a little side note from SpaceX, but it is funny. I was live streaming to, I think it was one of my biggest audiences ever. I think it was when a Russian booster was crashing back to earth. And I had this window over here in my old place and there was a hornet's nest in the window, but they kept to themselves most of the time and I didn't want to kill them or anything. So like they just hung out in the window and I was all sealed off and stuff. And like for some, it's like somehow like hornets are scary to begin with because they're going to sting you and it's going to hurt. But somehow one of them snuck into my room. I started crawling on my window and like, you can see me in the stream go, what? What's that? Okay. And there's a hornet over there. I saw it. And then it started flying towards me and it started, it, I, you'd see me ducking like during the show. And I'm like, just trying to keep my cool. <laughs> so I don't like, and I didn't want to get stung because if you get stung, like in the neck, it's the worst. So I'm like, my neck's exposed and my arms are exposed. I'm like, so like the old studio where I was at with, when I was doing this thing, that's when I got, I didn't get attacked by wasps or whatever, or hornets or whatever. I, but I was being like, I was being checked out by them. They were flying over my head and stuff all the time. So I was like ducking and stuff. And I had a ton of people watching at that point, like hundreds of people, like probably a thousand people at one point, concurrent viewers. And I'm like trying to keep my cool and talk to people about it. And the stream went on for hours and hours because that was like a wild, wild time. At one point, you can see during the live stream that the hornet landed on my microphone. And I'm like talking, like mouth open like this. And and if the thing flies into my mouth, (laughs) I'm just, I'm done. Like what if a hornet bites you inside the mouth? (laughs) That would be the worst or stings you inside the mouth. That would be the worst thing ever. How do you even like. How do you go to the doctor and be like, yeah, I got stung in the mouth by a hornet. Yeah. So I figured that part out, which is cool, but oh, there's a, there's another thing that I want to tell you guys. Yeah. So this is a big deal, but I don't want to give away too much. I don't want to divulge too much because it's not a hundred percent done yet, but there is a big change happening for way better 
possibly in the next month. So that's all I can say for the much better, much, much better than what it is right now for the channel and for me personally too, but for the channel. So stay tuned for that. I'll have more information about that in the members section of the channel. So members only for a little bit, and then it'll be released to the public. But there's a few things I have to finish up today to get that all situated. And then I can divulge some more information. Teaser. Yeah. So some people know, some people that are like OG diehards know, but I have to get it out there in the public because it's going to be, it's going to be cool. I think you'll be pretty stoked because there will be more coverage from better places, not Starbase, just so you know, maybe Starbase at some point, but other places that are near Florida. <laughs> That's all I could say. Uh, and Will's moving back to Starbase to squat in Hoppy. Yeah, I'm going to live in Hoppy. <laughs> that would be hot. That place is Hoppy's metal. I know what that is. You'll become a Dallas Cowboys fan, Will. Oh, no, it's not Texas. No, it's not Texas. But it is near other launches. That's all I can say. So there's a possibility that might happen as soon as today. Like, just be finalized by as soon as the end of today. So, yeah, not Texas, but closer to the Gulf of Mexico and closer to another place that we all love launches coming from. That's all I can say. That's it for now. Okay, thanks, everybody. I'm out. Greetings from Florida, Will. Come on down, bro. Yeah, I'm, I plan on going to Artemis 2. I want to go to an Axiom mission. I would love to go to a crew mission, crew. I don't even know what they're at now. Crew 8, 9, 10, whatever they're at. But any sort of SpaceX Falcon crew launch would be really cool. Starlinks are cool too, but there's so many of them. I guess you could just go to Vandenberg at some point and just be like, I'm just going to hang out for a day. And then another Starlink launch is going to happen as well. You could go to any place, pad 39 and be like, well, SpaceX is probably going to launch today. See a cool rocket launch. So you could just show up. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. I would be pretty, pretty pumped to go back to Florida on El Hongaro. Was going to live on the ISS closer to launches. Launches do go there, but <laughs> Florida's decent if you can handle the crocs and tropical environment. I don't mind the tropical environment. When I was in, when I was at Starbase, it was pretty tropical, like subtropical. Very similar to when I lived in Orlando. Like I lived, I used to live outside of Orlando when I was younger and I loved it because it was really, it was nice and like warm and stuff. And I like that. I'm not like the best with heat, but I can work on it. I can work well with it because air conditioning, whatever. I'm from the Northeast. Like today it's what, 28 degrees or something here. So it's going to be better than any sort of heat is better than like 28 degrees. Let me get that off there. <laughs> Let me get this off there because it looks weird. So yeah, some little bit more tropical would be cool. So that's all I can say, though. That's all I can say for now. But I'll let the members know first and then Patreon members and stuff, too. So if you want to help out, become a member, become a Patreon member, you get a little bit easy access to it, early access. And then, yeah, I'll let you guys know what's up because it will happen soon. Just saying. So also, thanks. Like, legit, thank you for your continued support. It means the world to me. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. I really do appreciate your support. If you could take a second and hit the subscribe or the follow button on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on right now, I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps out the show tremendously and you'll never miss an episode. And each episode is about 10 minutes or less to get you caught up quickly. 
And please, if you want to support the show even more, go to patreon.com slash stage zero. And please take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll see you tomorrow.